You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It is always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin, brought to you by our good friends at Bryant and Smiley One, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling service. All right, Daryl. Woohoo! 27-3. What a game. Probably the best game Deshaun Watson's played as a member of the Cleveland Browns. Not only that, but a dominating performance by the Browns on both sides of the football for all intents and purposes. I can't remember a three-game stretch in which the Browns' defense has been as dominating as they've been, and I expect this is going to be a theme going forward. This is not just a little bit of a, hey, they had a great day at the office. This is a this is what this defense is, and it's led by 95 Miles Garrett. He was absolutely incredible. He basically treated Ryan Tannehill like a punching bag Sunday afternoon. So domination, Deshaun, great. Miles Garrett, great. Offense, uh, once they got their mojo going, little little – a little rocky to start off there in the first quarter, but once they got their mojo going in the second and the third quarters there, I mean, it just it was smooth sailing. I mean, I think about one play in particular in this game that really set the tone for everything that we would see as far as the game just flying in the second half. It was at Miles Garrett's sack right before the last play of the first half. If you could put points on the board for the defense other than a safety, yeah. that was worth three points because, yeah. let's face it, Tennessee was going to score there. Yeah, they were, and for that, for the Browns to come out of that without giving up any points right before half, because it, it worst you're thinking in your head, well, field goal. You know, if we hold them to three, you're feeling pretty good about that. And then Garrett, because Tennessee had burned through their timeouts, comes up with that sack to end the half, and then Tennessee has to go into the locker room completely deflated because they came away with nothing to show for that drive, and that was one of the rare instances where they moved the football a little bit mm-hmm. on this defense, and. Um, I, you know, not only that sack, but, uh, you know, Garrett with the strip sack as well. Uh, it would have been nice if JOK realized that it was a fumble because he could have scooped that up and run. Well, I think we were all, well, I think we were all wondering the same thing. We were watching, we're like, was that incomplete? And then yeah, you're right. You got to play to the whistle, right? It's the ultimate finish the play similar to like what Amari Cooper did, even though he got the short end of the stick from the official, you know, <laughs> 
run into the end zone. He wasn't anywhere near out of bounds. But yeah, well, you, so you, I you think have to you have to finish plays, <laughs> and that was an in, that was a rare instance, a very rare instance. And you know, Jim Schwartz, it was a great performance by the defense. But you know what coaches do? They always find the littlest thing, and they will pick at it like a scab. And I guarantee you, Jim Schwartz is going to go in the film room. They're going to watch that strip sack from Miles Garrett, and they're going to be all over people for not finishing that play because it allowed Derrick Henry to fall on the loose football and allowed Tennessee to retain possession. And, again, that could have been a big play going the other way. So I got a little wisdom for you. If you can't find something wrong, you're not going to have a job as a coach or a boss. Right? That's yeah. true in the workplace, too. Your, your boss has got to find something wrong. Otherwise, they can just tell you good things. Wow, right. I don't know where that would come from. Um, I'm just kidding when it comes to our boss, especially. Anyway, um, Daryl, this game itself, um, I, I just I find so many things that are rewarding, I think, for this team, especially their ability to turn the page after Monday night as quick as they did. And I think that was super important. We heard Kevin Stefanski talk about that after the game, that – once they walked in the door on Tuesday, they knew they had to let Monday go, and they got the right focus. A lot of times you could see a team just absolutely yeah. die after a game like that. But the Browns didn't, and then you go back to the defense setting the tone. How many plays from scrimmage have these three teams seen that they played against um, it been in the red zone? Two? Two, three plays? We saw them today. That was it. They went two weeks without that. Let Pittsburgh on Monday night didn't have a play inside the 30. Yeah, It's, it's truly amazing to watch this defense um, every game they get a little bit better, and they weren't 100% healthy today either. No, and, you know, what what is fun to watch about them is, you're right, the adversity. I mean, look at the Deshaun Watson throw. I have never in my life seen a quarterback throw a football 16 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Elijah Moore is there, basically has to just cover it just to preserve the possession. Uh, you know, Kevin, and in a win, you can joke about these things. Yeah, especially in a dominating oh, win. It would be 15 hours of radio this week. Oh my goodness gracious! Right, because you know, Kevin Stefanski. Oh yeah, we we were working on that play. Deshaun said the same. Oh, we were that was designed. We were trying. We were working on. It. And I'm like, well, that was designed. <laughs> that was probably the, the worst play design I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, you know, things like that. Right. I was hoping that Moore was going to throw the ball out of bounds. Um, if he could have found a receiver because right. the play was behind the line of scrimmage, right. I mean, it would have been good for a 16-yard completion even right. just to have, live for another day. You know, Amari Cooper uh, ruled out of bounds oh. when he was nowhere to – there were just so many moments in that first half where you're like, okay, this is where the wheels are going to come off the wagon, right? They're going to start popping hubcaps at any second, and it never happened. And that's a, that, that's a credit to this team because – We've seen it over the years where it just takes one little thing to light the match and everything goes up in flames. That didn't happen on Sunday. And I think that that is a sign of the maturity and growth of this football team in all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, and even the coaching, right? Uh, When things go bad, and believe me, things went bad in Pittsburgh, losing Nick Chubb. Um, You know, the running game wasn't anything special to write home about on Sunday, but it was good enough. It was good enough uh, to, to get the job done. Jerome Ford, two touchdowns, one catching, uh, one receiving. Kareem Hunt, huge third down conversion. Uh, you know, brought out the brought the hurdle out of the uh, the bag there. I, I don't know that I wanted to see that from him in his first game back. But the fact that they bounced back from adversity, not only just the week in totality, but this, but the game where there was adversity, they didn't allow it to sink the ship. 
And that's a big, big reason why they came away with such a dominating effort. All right, so Daryl, I think early on in the game too, when we were watching it, they were really trying hard to establish the run with the reverse, the flea flicker. I mean, they were doing anything they could. And yeah. you know, you go through the first, I think it was the first three series of the game, they had nine yards of rushing early on. Yeah. He, they wanted to establish the run, but I think that was uh, very obvious that Nick Chubb wasn't there and they were trying to do anything they can to get the running game going. The heart and mind was willing, the body just wasn't following along. And, and um, yeah, I, again, I don't remember seeing re- two reverses in the same drive, especially to even open the game. But, you know, that <coughs> is Kevin Stefanski talked about after the game, and he, he really wanted to get try and get some help on that perimeter to get things going because he didn't feel like the traditional between-the-tackle running attack was going to work. And he was right because right. the traditional – Running attack. Well, it hasn't worked all year work. against. I mean, it, it, Tennessee hasn't. I don't think anyone's rushed for more than forty yards in a game against right. them in their three games that they've been out there. So I think that that's key. But I also hope, you know, after last week, because no one talked about the defense. No one was talking about the defense. Yeah. And while we might have our focus up on the front four because our front five with double O, because I like to throw him in the front four, but because he is. But Denzel Ward is probably playing some of the best football we've seen him play in a long time. I, is it is it that he's healthy? Is that he's playing concussion free? I just Denzel Ward has looked really good and looked really good in this game today. Well, and it, and he's making life easier on the guys up front because receivers aren't being able to run wide open for these quarterbacks. And again, like you just felt as that game went on, and, and I asked Miles Garrett about this after the game because it just. You know, watching it from the press box, it just felt like the Titans were really getting sick and tired of seeing Miles Garrett and the Browns defensive front in the backfield on every single play. And you could just feel them wearing opponents down. And again, this is not something I'm used to watching with Browns football. I'm used to watching the other side where it's like the Browns are the team that's lethargic in the fourth quarter and just trying to survive another beating. And it, you know, in this defense right now, they're the ones dishing out the punishment. And um, I, I got to think that Ryan Tannehill is going to be very, very sore uh, in, in Monday and Tuesday uh, this week here as he's trying to get himself ready for their next game. But it is a credit to the guys up front from keeping their foot on the gas up until the final whistle. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So do we go back and look at this week and realize that there was so I mean, look, losing, losing Nick Chow, you can never overreact to that. Right. But the thought of the season being over, how do they salvage this thing, how do they figure things out, that was just way overboard early in the week. And I know that part of it was because it was Pittsburgh and it was kind of that woe is me attitude. Yeah. Uh, we'll see because they've got Baltimore next week and that's going to be super exciting. But, you know, I, I, I was watching a crowd of folks here at the stadium catch the end of the game uh, for the Colts and the Ravens and to see the Colts win with that game-winning field goal. I mean, it's just another burst of energy. It was like the Browns won another game. Yeah, and this division is so tight and so competitive, Andy, that every little bit helps, right? And um, 
this is a tough stretch, and we've talked about this for, the, for this Browns team. I mean, Tennessee's a physical team, and the Browns absolutely manhandled them uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, coming off of Pittsburgh, which was a physical team. Baltimore's a physical team. Then you have the bye, and then San Francisco comes to town. They're a physical team. So this is a very brutal stretch. Just from a body maintenance standpoint, uh, where the Browns are concerned, and they, they're weathering the storm here a little bit, right? They, they were able to, to, to manhandle the Titans and really take it to them. Baltimore is going to come in in a bad mood. You know that, right? But they have to come in. I think that's the key. They're, yeah, they have to come here. And and was it fifty-two to six or something like that in the first two games? The Browns are outscoring their opponents here in this building. And this we've building. left a lot. Of, I mean, that we no, the Browns have left a lot of points on the board. A lot of points. Well, they had seven points taken away from them <laughs> Sunday. I mean, it was actually, not one of the greater officiated uh, games no. that we've ever seen. Actually, it was four points. If I'm, be, I have to because they they got the field goal out of the drive. But like they, you just. That's a that you know. Who knows? They could have hit the conversion. Let's call it five and yeah. call it a day. That's a call that just can't happen. I, I don't know how. I, it's almost like inadvertent. You'd almost rather have the ref say sorry, inadvertent whistle. Well, no, that's what he did. Well, no, they said he stepped out of bounds. That's well, what I thought. They, 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 they came back and the, said the official apology. The the story that's coming out of the locker room is that the official apologized to Kevin Stefanski for screwing the play up. Yes, the officials are human, but right. still, like that's a play that there, he wasn't even close to being out of bounds. And, and uh, talking to Mari Cooper after and the game, and the ref was standing right, right. there. And, and you know, there were three plays involving Amari Cooper. There was there was that one, and then on the very next play, it should have been a pass interference or holding penalty yeah. in the end zone that didn't get called. And Cooper's just throwing his hands up, like the hell is going on here. Um, and then obviously he catches the forty-three yard touchdown, and he said, "Yeah, I just I could not envision myself." Leaving this game without a touchdown, like what? What am I going to have to do to get? And he and it, the forty-three yard touchdown. He was wide open. Jerome Ford on his nineteen-yard touchdown, wide open. Like um, I don't. Deshaun's numbers were great. Okay, they look really good on paper. Um, the the nineteen-yard touchdown was beautiful. Uh, the forty-three-yard touchdown was beautiful because well, he, he got caught and Cooper beat the secondary so bad that he had time to slow up and even slowing up, he could still catch the football. I don't know that that I think that ball need to, needed to lead Amari a little more when you talk about nitpicking. That's right. one of those things. But I, I would say, um, well, the first play of the game. Let's not forget that Deshaun tripped over Jerome Ford. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, it was then, like this. Th- this game really had an opportunity to turn into like a comedy of errors. Let, let's be honest sure. about it, and it and it didn't. And um, but I thought Deshaun played one of his more complete games as a Browns quarterback, especially coming off this week where I was critical of him. I know a lot of other people were critical of him, wanting him to you know look like the guy. The Browns gave up six draft picks and two hundred thirty million dollars to get. I think we got to see that Sunday afternoon from him. 289 yards passing. Dorian Thompson-Robinson got to come in and you know right. do a little mop-up duty. Honestly, I you know I would have left him in to complete one pass for 11 yards so he could say he threw for 300 yards. Then I would have pulled him off the field just to you know just to really you know round out that number. But um, I really if, if you thought Mike Vrabel was a classless coach and you hated Tennessee, you would do that. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, there's that's right. doing things the right way. Yes. Uh, there there are a few other coaches in the NFL. Oh. I have, I absolutely would have done that too. Mike Vrabel's not one of them. He's one of the good guys uh, in the National Football League, and maybe he ends up coaching Ohio State someday. Uh, but anyway, so... Wait, uh, I, do you really want to walk down this road after Ryan Day is... No. Okay, 18-1 and one against top 25 I, I, teams on the road. I was okay. making a joke. Okay. It was a joke. 
We're allowed to joke. I know you were joking. When, I know you're joking. I just I hear when it, the Browns like, win by 24, the comedy can fly. And Ohio State wins at the buzzer. Or right? actually, so if the Browns that. lose by 24, the comedy can fly. <laughs> it's a little easier to tell yeah, the jokes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let me just leave you with this yeah. one last point. Naysayers this week are going to say the Browns defense looks awesome, but Cincinnati's offense sucks because Joe Burrow is not really playing. Okay. I don't know what Pittsburgh's offense was, and Tennessee was probably the best of the three offenses. And still not very good. Uh, my retort to that is, number one, you got to play the schedules in front of you. Right. Number two, you got to go out and make the plays. All right? And it doesn't matter if they're inferior competition or not. If they, Fine. I'll grant you. They're all inferior competition. Well, guess what? All three instances, the Browns defense kicked their ass, which right. is what they're supposed to do. Right. It's not an instance where it is. As a team that's been inferior competition for years. Right. We and, understand it. We and had it. their ass kicked on a weekly basis. Yeah. yeah. Like, so um, they're doing their job then. Okay, fine. Uh, maybe the numbers are a little inflated or whatnot. But they, they should be then. If, 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 if Cincinnati's really that bad, right? If uh, because of Burrow being hurt, if Pittsburgh's really that bad because Kenny Pickett stinks or whatever, and, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Anchor, what. D- the Browns are the Browns defense is doing so. What? Why are we going to criticize them for doing what they should be doing? I just know that this front, this front five. I think that's what we can call them. The front five. Yeah. It's I four. It's four it, players on the field, but it is front five. Yeah, it is. It is a championship contender type of front. They just have to stay healthy. They, they have to stay healthy, and they have to keep doing. They have to maintain the level uh, of play. Uh, throughout, and the offense now has to kind of come around and do their thing to support them. And I think if that happens, man, these last, what, 14 games remaining, it's going to be a lot of fun for Browns fans. It seems fun right now. All right, that's the post-game edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. We'll be back with you twice this week, so make sure you're with us. It's always game day in Cleveland.